reaching up, reaching over, and reaching out. We are New Life Christian Fellowship. For service times or recordings of our weekly messages, please visit us online at www.nlcfchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. You know, I was, uh, as we were driving over here today, we were thinking about where the time has gone. Summer seems like it's just coming and going really fast, and it's like three weeks away, and I think we're starting, school will start in three weeks again, I think. I think that's the right timing. Then we've got about four weeks before Sunday school will start here again, and then we have a short eight weeks to Thanksgiving till turkey dinner. So I'm already, I'm already counting down the days for the turkey dinner, so... Anyway, I am glad that you are here this morning, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I know summertime sometimes presents its challenges with, uh, it makes it harder to go to, to church because we have plans in the summertime, and, uh, but it is good to be here this morning with all of you, and I trust that today's message will, will meet you where you're at this morning. <clears throat> Last week, we started a series, uh, actually, we, it started, we started the Philippians series is what we started last week. Joe started the message off last week, and during the week I had put into our church group app that, you know, prior to coming today, I would hope, I'm trusting that you guys had a chance to listen to the message that Joe started last week. Um, It is kind of the theme, kind of the central theme uh, of the whole series in Philippians. Uh, I know Johnny asked me, uh, you know, looking at uh, the whole Philippians, uh, the message that are coming up, like, what's your theme? What's kind of the, what's going to be kind of, like, what's going to spearhead? What's going to be the main track here, so to speak? And uh, you know what? Last week, Joe nailed it. You know, we're going to be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to continue on uh, in starting in verse 12. But the ultimate thing that spearheads Paul and his his zeal for the gospel is joy. It's not happiness. I'm not talking about happiness because happiness is conditional. You know, when you're having that nice big fudge Sunday, that might make you happy for a little bit, but it's not the root of joy. The root of joy comes from serving Christ and Christ being in us and us being in him and allowing the spirit to move us. With that, I want to do a little bit of an introduction to the series. Um, just some core things that I think that are that I would like to that are that are so noteworthy that are the driving theme, the heart of Paul. You know, Philippians is only four small chapters, but you can change the world with these four chapters if we live our life out as Paul did. <clears throat> Just I'm going to read this right from my commentary. It says this: Although the letter to the Philippians was written while Paul was in prison. That's another thing that we have to remember here is that Paul was writing this while in chains. And Joe made a comment last week that, that, that surprised me, but I thought was so fitting of Paul's character. He said Paul was put into prison because we had to slow him down because he was so busy preaching. Had, we not, had God not slowed him down, he wouldn't have wrote the epistles. That was just Joe's comment. And when you look at the life of Paul, how zealous he was in serving God and making sure that the message was proclaimed, Paul was almost unstoppable. He couldn't wait for the next person that he would meet to share the gospel message with. So Paul, in chains, is writing these letters to us, and he, wants, he desires that we partner with him to spread the gospel message. Paul, overflowing with joy, 
is in chains. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But some of the key themes in Philippians is humility. Christ showed true humility when he laid aside the rights and privileges as God to become human. When he became Jesus Christ, when he came to the earth, he poured out his life to pay for the penalty that we deserve. You know, this is the heart of the whole gospel message of what joy means. When we realize that our sins were forgiven, that God substituted his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty on the cross to pay for that sin. And I keep going back, and I've used this so many times in my messages, and I'll use it again because it, to me, it's just so um, meaningful. But when Barabbas was substituted for Christ on the cross, what, what went through Barabbas' mind when his penalty that he was supposed to, you know, when he was supposed to go to the cross and pay for the punishment or pay for the sins that he had committed when Christ substituted him? That to me is like, you know, have you, have you ever had somebody do something really good for you? Like done you a big favor where when you saw that favor done, it's like almost like, now I need to repay this guy. Like it's almost with a sense of urgency that you desire to repay what that person did for you. Now picture this, when somebody taking your place on the cross, how do you weigh that? What do you do? <clears throat> <clears throat> but Christ poured out his life for us. The penalty that we deserved, Christ took on the cross on our, from, to our, on our behalf. Self-sacrifice. Christ suffered and died so that we, we may have eternal life. With courage and faithfulness, Paul sacrificed himself for the ministry. He preached the gospel even while in prison. And unity is in the other theme. In every church, in every generation, there are conflicts. Can we relate to that? Has our church ever gone through anything that has conflict? Yes, we have. And there are conflicts that cause division. In, midst, in the midst of these hardships, it's easy to turn on one another. And I've seen that happen as well. When things are not going right, it's easy to turn on your fellow believer. But Paul encouraged the Philippian believers here to agree with one another, to stop complaining, and to work together. This was the message for the Philippian church. Christian living. Paul, Paul, show, Paul shows us how to live a successful Christian life. We may become mature by being so identified with Christ and his attitude and humility and self-sacrifice becomes ours. Let me say that part again. We become mature in Christ and we, be, we can be so identified with Christ and have his attitude of humility and the sacrifice becomes ours when we surrender, when we give our life to Christ, and when we pray in such a way that we want to live out the will of God, what, what is identified as Christ, that identity becomes our identity. And it's only through the work of the Spirit that that will happen. And above all, this theme in Philippians is joy. Believers can have peace no matter what happens. The joy comes from knowing Christ personally and from depending on and depending on his strength rather than our own see when we look at the life of Paul the work that Paul completed while on this earth that was not done by his own strength when first at first when Saul was converted to Paul imagine hearing the message when Christ when God said to Ananias that 
referring to Paul, that I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of the gospel message. Now, I don't know what you would do. I don't know how you would respond. But if you had somebody, a prophet come to you or a man of God come to you and say that God has a plan for you and that God says that you will suffer much for the sake of the gospel, would that bring you joy? But I also believe that when your eyes are opened to the gospel message, the saving grace, when we think about spending eternity in heaven with God, you know, we sing that song, we've been here 10,000 years, it's like the day, we, like the day it first begun. 10,000 years, being eternity, being in eternity with Christ, your tears are wiped away. I see Christ wiping away the tears of the people who had hurt and pain. Time will not be measured anymore. There's no such thing as time. It's forever. And our minds cannot understand or grasp what that means, what forever looks like. But that is the hope. That is the joy that should spur us on, as it did Paul in preaching the gospel message. And with that being said, you kind of get a glimpse of what Paul's character was. You know, having been put in prison to write the gospel message, slowing him down because he so desired, the message burned inside of him. There's a, there's a song that Third Day sings. And uh, the part of the words, I'm going to butcher the words probably, but the part of the message, or part of the song that's sung there, it says here that, or it's, it's saying there, or it sings, that let me burn for you again. My prayer is for us as new life, that we burn for God. That we burn for Christ. That we, not, we may not be caught up in what the world has to offer, what the world defines as joy and happiness, but that we will get, we will get caught up and we will surrender on what God says our joy and our peace comes from. And that is from knowing Christ. And that is from living out the word. Paul had it right. Paul was totally sold out for Christ. Nothing was going to stop him from preaching the gospel message. And with that being said, uh, before I even dive into the passage that I've selected for today, I would like to pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity to gather like this in a small group, in a large group, Lord, the important thing is that we're together and we're hearing your word this morning. Lord, I pray this morning that the people will hear from you, that your spirit will speak to us where we are at this morning. And Lord, I pray this morning that if we are caught up in the world and the empty promises that it, that it offers us, I pray this morning, may our hearts be shaken this morning. May our hearts be turned to you this morning. May we recognize and acknowledge the gift that you have given us through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. The penalty that he paid on our behalf because he loved us so much. 
And Lord, I pray, will that message that is inside of us, of that sacrifice that Christ did for us, I pray, Lord God, that it will not be contained any longer. I pray, Lord God, that we will not hinder the Holy Spirit from moving in our lives. And I pray, Lord God, that we will become bold, as Paul was, in preaching the gospel message and sharing our joy. Lord, I pray that you will fill this place with your spirit. And Lord, again, I pray, Lord God, that that the people here will hear you and not me this morning. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be starting off. I've broken this passage up into three sections this morning. I'm going to be going through uh, Philippians 1, verses 12 through 19 first, and we'll unpack it, and then we'll go from there. So it starts off with this. First, uh, Philippians 1, 12 through 19. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the, gospel, the good news. For everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, many of the Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know the Lord brought me here to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motive as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But whether or not their motives are pure, the fact remains the message about Christ is being preached. So I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will turn out, this will turn out for my deliverance. This is the first part of it here. So we know that, again, Paul is in chains. Paul is awaiting trial to see what's going to happen to him here. And, but we, and as, as I already mentioned, the transformation of Paul, how Paul was transformed from Saul to Paul. And that when he understood, when he received the gospel message, when he understood what Christ did, the man, there was a fire that burned in him that could not be contained. And here it says here that... that Um, that everything that has happened to me, all the hardships that Paul endured, it helped him to spread. And the the NLT uses the word spread. The ESV uses the word advance the gospel. There's a difference there. Spreading is different than advancing. The gospel message was taking root. It was growing. And it was the result of Paul's work. And Paul here, while in chains, what was happening here, while Paul was in chains... It would be that there would be somebody watching him. So every six hours or so, there would be a new soldier that would be handcuffed or would watch Paul. And Paul sees this as an opportunity to preach the gospel. He says here that everyone in the prison guard and the people out there know why I'm here. It is for the sake of the gospel. So every six hours, Paul had an opportunity to share the gospel message again. How many of you would be willing to share the gospel message while in chains, not knowing your fate? Not knowing if you were going to come out of there alive or if you were going to be uh, crucified or killed. And Paul considered this joy. And it it didn't just 
it wasn't just the people in the prisons that knew about it. It was the people outside the prisons as uh, why Paul was there. They knew they were, he was there for the sake of Christ. All he was guilty of is preaching the gospel message. That was his guilt. That's all he was guilty of. But it was Paul's encouraging, Paul's boldness, or Paul's encouragement and Paul's boldness that also encouraged others to preach the message. I remember years ago, and I know this is a really bad analogy, but I've, I've, it's something that Michael Jordan said. Yes, I'm going to bring basketball into the message this morning. I remember a series. I used to be a huge Michael Jordan fan. Not a Bulls fan, a Michael Jordan fan, because he was just that good. The guy could take over a game, and it would just be, you give the ball to him, and he'd, he'd win the game single-handedly. At least it looked that way. But I remember a series where they were playing the, the, New, York, the New York Knicks, and Patrick Ewing was his rival. And Patrick Ewing was a dominant force to be reckoned with. And it wasn't until, uh, well, what was happening during the playoffs there is that Patrick Ewing was such a force to be dealt with that it looked like the Bulls, the rest of the team was kind of cowering. And I remember Michael Jordan saying, he went to his, like his dad had been at this game as well. And his, his dad had told him, you take the lead, you take the lead. And Michael Jordan said after the fact, I had to stand up to the bully. And it wasn't until I stood up to the bully that my team became courageous. That's what's happening here. You know, Paul is, on, for the sake of preaching the gospel, is being bold and thus encouraging not just his disciples, but the people outside the walls. They were encouraged to spread the message because of what Paul was doing. Have you ever thought, how can I be a person that can be bold in my faith that I will encourage others here? What can I do? You know, and I think it is just as simple as what Paul has here, is, is illustrating to us here, that when we live out our faith, when we are, are not afraid to stand up for what God teaches, what the gospel message teaches, and how to live out our life, and that may mean some of the friends that you have may not like what you do if you go against, you know, what they like to do, but if we're bold in it, it will encourage others around you. That's huge. That's a huge part of witnessing. When we are bold for Christ and the people will see, our friends will see, the people in our, in our circles will see that we are not ashamed to stand up for Christ, it will encourage them. Trust me, it works. And Paul here was saying that even while there are people here that are preaching for us, the selfish reasons, they were not preaching for the right reasons. It didn't matter to Paul. As long as the word was being preached, people were being changed. The gospel message was advancing. And all of this, even when Paul says here that some of these people were preaching for the sake of making his prison time more harder to bear or harder to bear, it didn't matter to Paul. Suffer. He didn't care about suffering. Can I ask you this morning, where, in what area of your life could you be more bold? In what area of your life could you stand up for the gospel's sake where you know it would encourage others around you? Do you have people like that in your life? Where if you were more bold, they would follow? Think about that. I want to continue on in starting in verse 20 now. I want to read from 20 to 26. It says this. This is Paul speaking again. For I live in eager expectation and hope I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ. 
as I have been in the past and for my life will always honor Christ, whether I live or I die. For to me, living, for, living is for Christ and dying is even better. Yet I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. Sometimes I want to live and sometimes I long to be with Christ. That, was, and that would be far better for me, but it is better that I it is better for you that I live. I am convinced of this, so I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. Then I will return to you. You will have even more reason to boast about what Christ has done for me. As Paul starts off here saying that he is eager and that he wants to do nothing that causes shame. See, Paul's going to be facing trial here. And while facing trial, he doesn't want to do anything to dishonor Christ. And if anything, the message that he wants to pro- present there is to be, again, not to, to be bold. He wants to be bold for Christ, not ashamed of Christ, and not cower in the midst of pressure. He wants to remain strong, and remain, faith, remain faithful. And I don't think this was a very hard thing for Paul to do. I think Paul was so sold out and so in love with Christ that this was something that just naturally came out of him. Paul desired nothing to be nothing more than fruitful. And whatever, wherever he was at, he wanted, it to, he wanted to advance the gospel. And, while, and as Paul says here, he is so torn between going home to be with Christ. If it, see, he's already given that up. He's given up control. If I die, I go to a better place. He doesn't care. He gets to be with Christ. That's where he's at. He's totally surrendered that fact that, hey, I may not come out of this alive. And if I don't, so be it. I go to be with Christ. But he also sees the need. And it's, that's why he says here that it is for your benefit that I stay. Because he is an encouragement to them. He sees this happening. And Paul wants to continue to encourage them. And verse 26, I thought, was such um, an eye-opener for me. And it says here that, Then when I return to you, you will, e- you will have even more reason to boast about what Christ has done for me. See, if we go back to verse 19, what were they doing there? It says, For I know that as you pray for me, and as the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will turn out for my deliverance. You see, they were praying for Paul's release. That's what's happening in verse 26. And when when he does get released, it also shows that God, that, they were, that God answered the prayers of the disciples that were praying. It just added more reason or more affirmation that God was in this. God had his hand in this. That while praying, Christ, God, God delivered Paul from this affliction or from, uh, from certain death. Paul's desire was nothing more than to advance the gospel. And it didn't matter what it cost him. And I wonder sometimes, in the time, like when I look at Paul's life, I mean, he, he was facing death. Our circumstances are nowhere near where Paul's were. And I was thinking about this week, as I was preparing for this message, how do I, or how can I encourage you today to be more bold, to live a more, to live more of life in such a way where we allow God to work through us instead of our own strength. And it, it's until we are fully surrendered, 
until we are fully devoted to Christ and until we say, we are able to with open hands say, God, my life is yours. Do with me as you see fit or lead and guide me. Let, let the Spirit guide me or let the Spirit guide you and me. It's only then when we are totally open and we have totally surrendered is when God can use us. Paul did that. I want to continue on here in our last section here. Uh, I'm starting off in verse 27. And the heading of my Bible says, live as citizens of heaven. And it goes like this. But whatever happens to me, you must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ as citizens of heaven. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing side by side, fighting together for the good news. Don't be intimidated by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved by even God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this fight together. You must see, you have been seen, you have seen me suffer for him in the past, and you will know that I am still in the midst of a great struggle. Paul is challenging us to be more than just, like, you know, we're Canadian citizens. All of us here are Canadian citizens. With that comes you know, certain expectations, certain things that we get as Canadian citizens. The, the, the church in Philippi, they were uh, a Roman colony, and they were Roman citizens, so they, ex they also shared certain perks, certain things as a Roman citizen. But Paul is saying, that's not enough. We are to be, uh, we are to represent, the, we are to be a citizen of heaven. We are to represent the heavenly realms. And what does that look like? What does that look like? When I think about the, the gospel message of what Paul illustrated or shown us and what Christ has shown us, it may not always mean that we, we get what we're entitled. It, it, it may not be something that we enjoy. Suffering will definitely come with it because that is something that Paul has illustrated here very well or shown us very clearly. When we surrender, when God is using us, there will be times of trials, hard things that we will go through. But we are to represent Christ. We are to look past what is here on earth and what our rights are, but to give up our rights. Paul also says that, that as for, like, for the enemies, the way he talks, um, uh, where he says, don't be intimidated by your enemies. And this will be a sign that they're going to be destroyed and that you're going to be saved. And finally, he told them not to be imitated by their enemies, but Paul had faced several oppositions in, the, in many of the cities, including Philippi. If he was persecuted for his faith, then we ought to expect similar treatment. The church would need to be strong within the fellowship in order to live this out. How sad that so much time and effort are lost in some churches by people fighting against one another instead of uniting against the real opposition. It takes courage. It takes a courageous church to resist infighting and to maintain the common purpose of serving Christ. The opposition that the believers faced at the time would begin would face in the future, them would prove two things. The destruction of their opponents, the salvation of believers. In 2 Thessalonians it says this, 
but God will use his per- God will use this persecution to show his justice for he will make you worthy of his kingdom for while from which you are suffering and in his justice he will punish those who persecute you and God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire bring judgment on those who do who don't know God and for those who refuse to obey the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ they will be punished with everlasting destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power and when he comes to receive glory and praise for his glory from his glory from his people he will be among those and he will be among those praising him on that day for you have believed what was testified about him there's a day and a time coming when Christ will come and separate the ones who have not acknowledged him as Lord and Savior and the ones who have. So during this time, as we suffer, as we live life, as we live the Christian faith, all the hard things that we go through, the opposition, um, slander, I don't know, like when I, think about, when I think about what we as a church go through compared to what Paul did, we have it still so good compared to him. But anything that, uh, that happens to us that is unright, that was not right, God will one day fix. And the people that are persecuting us, the ones that have hurt us, God will deal with that one day. We just look ahead. We remain focused. Have that joy that Paul had. In this passage here, it talks about that we have been given the privilege to trust and also to suffer. This is something that I don't know if anybody would want to sign up for this. But it says here that it is a privilege to trust and it is a privilege to suffer for Christ. When the disciples, when, God's, when Christ sent the disciples out and on one of their first missionary trips, and I can't remember which one it was, I can't cite that off the top of my head, but they had been persecuted for the sake of Christ. And while they were leaving, they sought it, they, they found it, they found joy that they were able to suffer for the sake of Christ. Suffering and joy. They don't go together. They don't. But in this case, when we live out the Christian life, it does go together. It seems to go hand in hand. So this morning, I want to ask you, where does your joy come from? What are you rooted in this morning? Where do you find your strength, your peace, regardless of the circumstance, Are you able to maintain joy? And the second part of that question I want to ask this morning is, what does the gospel message mean to you? Have you ever burned inside where you wanted to share the gospel with someone, where you had to share the gospel message with someone? Because that's what Paul here, this is how I see Paul here. Paul, Paul could not contain the message. Paul had a burden for the lost. How much of a burden are the lost to us this morning? I want you to wrestle with these things this week. What does the gospel message mean to you? What does the lost, what do the lost mean to you? Can I be bold and ask this morning that when you pray this week, can you pray, God, give me the boldness to speak to the people that you put in my path. Give me a burden for the people 
that are lost, that you place on my path, that I will not shy away from sharing the gospel message, that I will be able to share that love with, with whomever God places in your path. No matter how uncomfortable, no matter how hard it may be, can I pray that for you guys today? I've tried and I've looked at Paul this week to see what made this man the way he was. And I think once we have a complete understanding, and I've mentioned this earlier in the message, when we understand the price that God paid for us, the message of the gospel message, the, gospel, the, the saving grace, the, the punishment that Jesus endured on the cross instead of us, he took our place. And that if we live for him, we will be with, with him forever in heaven. That should bring us joy. Even for the time being, no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard it is, this is only for a moment. That time will pass. And in one day, we will be with him forever in heaven. Forever. Think about forever. Let your mind wrap around that. Let's pray.